and welcome to episode 56 of The Worst Critics. Today we are only giving you guys the reviews because it was a very short news week and, you know, Thanksgiving plans get in the way. So here are reviews for King Richard and Adele's 30. And do you want to start off with the album review like we always do? Of course, why wouldn't I? <laughs> Just a very natural transition here. Nothing suspicious at all. Um, so Adele's 30. Uh, she's technically not 30, so she is what we in the industry call a liar. Um, liar I believe she's. <laughs> I believe she's 33. I might be wrong. This album's um, three years old? Jesus. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's three years old and was also released this week. It's crazy. <laughs> um, COVID. So yeah, yeah, COVID, COVID did crazy things with numbers and math and time. Um, so yeah, obviously, uh, it's like the long-awaited next one. Um, she took that, you know, pretty decent break. I think uh, five years between them, six years. But Ish. she, she did like little singles. Like she did the, I think it's called like Hometown Glory or something. Like she's done songs, but full-length studio album. It's been like five years. It's been a minute um, for sure. I mean, the streaming I numbers. Was, I think it was 25 is why I think I go. Okay. This one's 30, you know? Yeah. I mean, that the math adds up. Uh, the streaming <laughs> numbers definitely reflect that because her tracks are already beating out Silk Sonic's tracks. And, yeah, well, you know, one's a week older. I Still, though, Bruno Mars, you'd think, would have a little more leeway in that department. But no, Adele is destroying their numbers. So I'm excited to see how well it sells, honestly. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes plot within the year, which is... Oh, yeah. You know, I'm not saying that that's not to be expected with someone of her caliber, but you know what I mean. Like, it clearly isn't a bomb, you know? Like, it's not some awful, tragic piece of garbage, so... Anyway. Yeah, yeah, I kind of want to start off by uh, by saying, you know, I I'm glad she kind of went out of her comfort zone. It felt like uh, it felt like she was a little more comfortable experimenting with the the non Adele sound. Sometimes uh, she definitely kept to that sound, and it's a very her album. You know, it's definitely her. There, there's no no argument about it. Uh, but, you know, it's kind of nice that she has some modern touches. It seems like she's borrowing heavily from R&B or modern R&B, uh, especially with a lot of the instrumentals on her tracks. Um, There's that one that kind of had a kind of a Rasta Jamaican uh, kind of bossa nova like. I, I, I don't know which one that was because it wasn't like my favorite at all. But it was uh, I think it was the one that Earth Day was talking about. Oh, cry your heart out. Yeah, I think it was that one. Uh, yeah, and so so it's just nice to see that she's not afraid to actually do stuff outside of her realm. Uh, but at the same time, it's very her, and I, like it's you've kind of heard a lot of it before. If you're expecting something brand new and crazy, I, you're not gonna get that here. Uh, what you are gonna get is a, I'd say a pretty decent album uh, with. Uh, some definite hits and just a couple misses, not a lot, you know. That I didn't find anything offensive except for um, "Can I Get It," the song "Can I Get It." I did not like that song. That stuck out in my head. That like went on my negative list very quickly uh, before I even finished the song. So, you know, were there any things you hated about it? Or I don't think hated, but I don't 
get what all night parking is doing. I liked all night parking. I like it. What I do you just, mean? I don't know why she called it an interlude. I was oh. fully expecting to sigh and complain, but it's like a two or three minute song. Like just a song. You know, define interlude, I guess, right? Like I <laughs> thought it's it like a, a reprieve between things to give you like a like a digestif, you know, it's like a little mint. Like a little little water between meals, I you know it, it sort of did that. It was a uh, it was it was different sonically. But it did that, but it was just a song. Other. Like it just felt like a random song in the middle of this otherwise like I don't know, pretty uniform album. Yeah, not one note, but mm-hmm. definitely one vibe. And that song I didn't think fit the vibe, so it was just like yeah, it was an interlude, but not in any traditional sense. So I was like. Why'd you call it an interlude, but then make a two-minute, 40-second song? I don't know. See, it just maybe, makes sense. Maybe that's why I like that song a lot, because it was just so different and at least uh, proved some sort of diversity to the album. Because, I don't know, if you take, like, three songs out of this album, it's going to just be an Adele album that sounds exactly the same as the last few. But uh, luckily, you know, she put some different flavors in there. Uh, it, um, it, yeah. So I was just going to say, I, I don't think I hated Interlude. I just didn't get it. Um, I did not like Can I Get It, but I didn't hate it. It wasn't a hate list. I really didn't like the finale, the Love is a Game. It just I was kept iffy. going. I was like, you could have just let it be, but you don't really need like four six-minute songs on this album. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, and at it that seemed... point, I was kind of like, you're just going on on this song. Like, You just need to find an ending, bro. It kind of seemed like the song before that one was enough of a crescendo buildup that that could have been the topper off, but instead she added another crescendo-like song, you know, that just devolves into heavy instrumentals and an inspiration almost uh, to, you know, to take you out. And I don't know, yeah, I I was very back and forth on that last song. I'm really not sure if I even like it because I had it on my positives at first, but then I put an X on it, so... I don't know. It's it's divisive, maybe. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of cohesion in this uh, that, you know, that's always nice, you know, to have an artist that knows their sound well enough to make a cohesive album such as this. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to reiterate, it's very hit and miss for me. Or <clears throat> maybe not hit and miss, but uh, it's very, oh, I really like the song, uh, you know. Oh, I really like the song, uh, you know. Uh, so I was just very back and forth throughout listening. So it kind of detracts in a weird way from its flow or its natural progression. Uh, cause I was kind of thrown out of the album about midway through. I was, I was almost, I was kind of over it for a second and then I had to go back to the album. So I don't know what that says about the album itself. Uh, I'm not, I'm not too sure. What's, um, what were your like favorite one or two? Oh, oh, uh, my little love, all night parking. Those, the definitely my favorite too. Yeah, I really like my little love a lot because that was very heavily just let me steal some R and B riffs and steal an R and B vibe and kind of culture vulture a little bit, but whatever, you know, whatever, <laughs> whatever she gets to, you know. <laughs> but uh, I, I really enjoyed it, uh, and you know, just the 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 topic or the subject matter. It's just kind of nice uh, because it, it, it is kind of corresponding with her albums always. I mean, not 
about herself, but you know about her journeys and such. So it's nice. I mean, then this whole album's really about her divorce. So yeah, so it's it's nice that My Little Love is almost different than that. You know, it's still related, but it's it's different enough in subject matter and almost in tone where it, it sticks out in my mind as one of the the heavy hitters. Honestly, uh, what, what were your tops? Um, it was actually like back to back to back. Um, I said from the first time I heard the single that Easy On Me is a fucking bop. Um, Those numbers are crazy. Of course, of course it is a single, but I have listened to that probably a million times. So <laughs> Okay, so you're what? <laughs> what one nineteenth? Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, I it's just it's so good. The hook is just so perfect. Um the, the song as a whole, I don't really care. But, like, it's just such a beautiful chorus that I don't care. Um, and then My Little Love, I think, is great. And then I actually really did, like, Cry Your Heart Out. Um, and I'm glad that me and Earth Gang have the same taste because I went, this is a crazy sample. That's the first thing I heard. Like, right when the song started, I was like, this is going to be sampled so crazily if she gives this out. Like, Or, obviously, people just find that original record. But I think it's just probably recorded for this. It's just made to sound old. I don't know that's a real sample. Right. I you mean, have any ideas? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, about the sample, I'm not too sure. Uh, it's kind of weird for, I guess, a pop artist to sample like that, or else, you know, it's kind of a little different. But I'd be weary on Adele actually giving out any of her beats, you know? I just, I don't see that happening. I don't think she ever has before. Uh, maybe she has, maybe I'm totally wrong and talking out of my ass right now, but I just, I don't know. I don't see it. It'd be cool. Earth Gang on a track with Adele or using a sample of Adele's would be pretty sweet, but, uh, yeah. not too sure no, that, about its that's, source. That's her, that's her voice just disguised with some whimsical vocal effects in a quote, crisp Motown reggae track. Yeah. Reggae. That's, that's the one I was, that's the word I was looking for earlier. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that, that song stuck out just because it was so out of her her zone, you know, out of her comfort zone. But, you know, I, I liked it. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't have a ton else to say. Uh, you know, I appreciate that she kind of went her own way as opposed to just doing the exact thing over and over again. Because it was going to sell no matter what. And I think she knows that, that she could have literally done whatever and it was going to sell millions upon millions. Uh, so it's nice to see that she's not afraid to just kind of go out there a bit. Uh, but overall, I wasn't, I wasn't gonna write home about this album. You know, yeah. it, it was good. That's why I'm bordering. I don't know what your scores are gonna be, but I'm bordering giving it possibly too good of a score for how I really feel about it. Just because I really didn't have any expectations, and Easy on Me is going to be on my like. 2021 Spotify wrapped. That's how much I've listened to this song. Wow. Uh, because <laughs> I really didn't care for that song. I, I, I made sure not to listen to it when it was a single. And then when I did, I just thought to myself, Oh, this is, this is the song. Okay. I guess. Yeah, whatever. Um, but I don't know. I feel like that was just too Adele for me, you know, too much in her comfort zone that I just didn't care for that song. So, uh, really I wanted to give this a seven, just flat seven yeah. for me. I was between a seven and a half, and I could have been convinced to go up to an eight, but I'll just stick with seven five. And I, it's the hit and miss effect for me because as much as I do really like the songs that I really like, uh, it doesn't make up for the fact that I don't know. I was kind of bored the other half or the other songs. It was kind of like, eh, eh, well, know, I think whatever. I think that's the thing about 
people who sing like Adele, and I'll even, I know they're not really that similar, but like, um, who is that woman that we were just, uh, Lana Del Rey. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I feel like it's just always so somber, and rarely is it even like sad music disguised as pop music. It's just sad music that, unless you're in the mood to be like down, you're kind of just like, man, it's like boring can be correct sometimes if the music just is bland, but I think oftentimes like you just zone out and it's not necessarily because the music did that. It's just, you're not in the same pocket, the same vibe as the songs putting out. So you're like, I don't want to pay attention to this. (laughs) So, you know, how much of it is the music being bad versus how much is it your personal mood at the time? And for me, like, obviously this is well-produced music. It's well-written music. Oh yeah. You yeah, know, I'm she's a quality singer. Like, 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 this isn't... What's that one album that sounds like it was recorded in a moving van? That Which we one? talked Gold about? Link? The rap, yeah, Gold Link. <laughs> like, yeah. that, it's like intentionally badly recorded music. I, I'll and never forget Harem, okay? I will never forget Harem. Like, that <laughs> yeah, is so, burned into my brain. So, um, yeah. So, this isn't that, is what I'm getting at. And the... You know, you have a good it's point. it's boring... If it is boring, I don't know that it's the music's fault. I think it's, like the vibes fault you know? uh you know i think you, you have a point i actually <laughs> i think i might bump this up to seven five honestly i you know see, because this isn't a bad another, piece of work yeah and see this is what i'll compare it to let's put this in the same space as someone else who writes like sad music that just isn't written super somberly is billy eilish and right. you like the billy eilish track but it's really because did. it's it's really big and it's made to be like synth pop or like this like kind of like punk pop almost there was diversity yeah or pop punk i guess but yeah like it's just it's very modern music and this is like adele's been doing this her whole career and also a lot of female vocalists have been making music like this for a very long time so it's just so conventional that if you're not in that mood for that sound you're not going to get it but like you could say the same about 90s boom bap like if a 90s boom bap album came out right now i wouldn't be like yo dude this is so dope it sounds just like biggie i'd be like yo this sounds just like biggie you know what i mean like (laughs) no one cares thanks yeah i mean you i mean that i think that is a testament to almost maybe not her changing the whole atmosphere of pop music but just her influence on some people so maybe it's even that, you know, her influence has uh, has uh, rubbed off on so many artists that now when she does it, it's just, meh, you know, meh, I, right. I've seen it before, you know, like a new Spielberg movie. He's done it it's, so much that meh. we say about movies all the time. We say about movies all the time. Like I can get what Clockwork Orange did for movies, <laughs> yeah. but it doesn't make Clockwork Orange good. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, yeah, I'll keep I'm, that. I'm seven, with seven five. five. Seven five. Yeah. yeah five. Okay. 30 from Adele getting a 75 from the worst critics on to the movie. I thought you were, <laughs> you said a 75 or 30 by Adele getting a 75 from us. I thought you were going to say on 1123, 21. <laughs> like, just say all the numbers possible that you could in one sentence. At 509 uh, <laughs> in 30 seconds. No, um, no, on to the movie King Richard directed by uh, a person that by the a person about to tell us who's not will smith a director who's not will smith who's somebody it's else definitely it's definitely reynaldo marcus green totally i'm very familiar with his work which includes 
uh, Monsters and Men. Thank you. <laughs> Thank uh, and Joe course. Bell coming out with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and of, Mark Wahlberg. Of, how did this guy get these gigs? I don't understand. What? <laughs> I don't know. Monsters and Men was a Sundance movie that won some awards. And then Joe Bell and then this biopic. So. How does that... Okay, yeah, all right. Did he do he like two shows? short films, one movie, and then these two things? How does that oh, work? He directed three episodes of Top Boy, that show I like. Wow, that's great. I I don't understand how directors get jobs anymore. Now I'm very confused about it all. Uh, maybe he's cheap. I don't know. Uh, yeah, he did a good job, I think. As far, I mean, I don't think the direction in this was egregious. Oh, the direction wasn't. Uh, I'll just start off. I'll, you know what? I'll just I'll just round it off at the beginning. Uh, I have seen this movie a thousand times before, and yet I've only seen this movie once, and that yep. is because <laughs> it is egregiously an Oscar Beatty biopic drama that tries to say something about modern society even though it's not really right now uh so it's trying to stay relevant and it just rubs me the wrong way after all these years of these movies coming out there's just i don't know there's something exhausting about a movie like this where you can almost tune out and you know exactly what's going to happen for the next two hours and 20 minutes um, this is one of those movies where if you looked at your phone, I wouldn't blame you. I'd be, I'd be, you know, uh, questioning why I'm not looking at my phone, uh, <laughs> right. because I, it's just so, there's something so familiar about it. And in the worst way, it's not, it's not, Oh, this feels homey and familiar and nice, you know, uh, and comforting. This is, Oh, I've, this is cookie cutter, copy paste inspiration. Let's give. Um, a big name actor, a chance to win an Oscar that I don't think is going to happen, Mr. Smith. Uh, <laughs> I just, I don't see a, him winning it for this one in particular. Uh, I think he had his chance with Pursuit of Happiness, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not too sure about this one. It's um, it's a movie, you know, there's there's definitely a, uh, a beginning, there's there's a middle and an end, but it ain't it for me. Agreed. Um, I feel like it was a. I, I think it's a good movie. And here's the problem with it being a good movie is that it's only really a good movie because there's no consequence or cost or tension. It's just kind of like, yeah. I mean, there's. Don't get me wrong. There's moments of tension, but like, not that we know the end. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And I would say so the like, moments of tension are inherently due to tennis being a sport. And not due to the movie itself creating that tension. It's well, I oh. think there were I think like some of the gang violence stuff and growing up in um, Compton. I don't, there was some tension there where like I was like I really don't remember how long her, their dad lived. Like, does he just get killed or does he like shoot this dude and go to jail? Like, I, <laughs> I genuinely didn't remember. So I was like, that That's was kind of tense. But um, I don't know. So you watched the Serena Williams documentary right didn't we no. both watch that I oh okay not. i was just telling you about it yeah i because... watched the michael jordan one that i told you to watch gotcha yeah. gotcha see because 
We both watched the I Tiger can... Woods one. That might be the one you think. Yeah, that's, that's the one I'm thinking of. So she, you know, it's very much told from her perspective, which obviously is super biased. And I feel like this is the same thing. Like, I think two of the sisters are producers on this. So, you know, like, obviously they should so. have heavy input. Right. They should have heavy input. But how good faith of a story do you tell when you're trying to remember someone you've lost recently? You know, like, this movie basically makes him look like he's dope as hell. Yeah, it looks like the perfect dad, pretty much, except... And maybe I'm just misremembering, so I don't want to talk too much shit here, but I was like, I thought he was, like, from even her own perspective of it, kind of, like, abusive and maybe, like, a drunk and, like, maybe, like, mismanaging his health really badly. And, like, they talked about his feet a little bit. Like, I'm pretty sure he's got, like, horrible diabetes. Mm. Um, And not that they need to talk about it necessarily, but, like... It would add layers to the character. It could add, like, you know what I mean? Like, he's not just some perfect being of, like, you know, but of course, he doesn't really come off perfect. He just, all the moments where it could have been dark, they somehow turned it really light. But, like, it really didn't go into any of the ethical implications of, like, uh, this is child abuse. Like, they basically just made the neighbor look like she was a crazy, mean, overbearing bitch. And I'm like, you don't think she's not well within her concerns? Like, I don't care if you're the strictest military family waking your kids up at 5 a.m. to work out every day when they're six years old. Like, I don't care if they're top of their class. Like, the real question is, like, are, is that something they, ethically that they can even come to a decision about themselves? No. You know what I mean? How can you say you like tennis or not if that's all you've ever been forced to fucking do? <laughs> you know, right, like, the plan. Of course, if you, and of course, if you've been told literally since your birth that you're going to be a champion tennis player. All you have to do is train and work hard, and you're doing this no matter what. And the threat is not necessarily of violence, although I'm pretty sure she alludes to that in her documentary. So, Oh, okay. That's cool. Like, I thought it was a lot more physical, and not necessarily like he beat the shit out of him, but like leaving, like dropping him off at the car. Like, that's not like a one-time thing. Like, no dad, like, I don't know. Did your parents ever casually just leave you places intentionally? Like, <laughs> I don't think if they did, it only happened once. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, he doesn't seem like someone who learns from his mistakes very well. So I just feel like to highlight the one episode of his, like, extreme parenting, like, right. it borders abuse. And to not really allow that avenue to be discussed, to kind of sh- dismiss it as listen to his response on it. Because, look, they speak four languages and they're top of their class. And, you know, just because we're black doesn't mean we're child abusers. And it's like... I don't know, and of course, I wasn't black in the 90s in Compton, so, <laughs> or 80s in Compton, but, like, I don't know. It just feels like there's some abuse stuff that can be discussed without necessarily saying that it wasn't for the best. It's just, it's still abuse, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, so I, I, I get what you mean, trying to condone abuse. That's what I'm hearing, John. That's yes. what the audience is hearing. Doctor we, recommended. <laughs> we know what you think, okay? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, you know, just talking about that and the actual uh, characterization of a real person, which is always tricky with the nuances because people are people, you know, uh, they're not all cut and dry as this film makes them out to be, uh, because even when he's, um, when he's just like casually calling the other dads abusive and terrible and they should be hanged and stuff. He's just doing it kind of, but a little differently. Uh, you know, it's it's weird that they wouldn't 
go deeper into his actual psyche. Is that weird? Because they they give you his motivations. They give you what he thinks. But instead of actual ramifications, it's kind of just like, yeah, it, end, it ends up fine. You know, like, <laughs> well, it, I feel like have to go a lucky. biopic should be made like a documentary first. Mm. There should be real interviews on camera mm-hmm. about the person's life objective and subjective and then that same documentarian should turn that into a biopic because when again you have your children tied to the project about your life but you're no longer living how i mean it'd be it would just be so difficult to remember your parents poorly assuming that you had a good relationship at their death you know what i mean like you're only going to want to paint them in a positive light and no offense but a story about kind of a manipulative mean but this end semi-redeemable father doesn't sell as much as this fucking come up story from nothing about the plan and you know oh guys just remember to have fun out there and like you don't need to go pro or play matches like you'll be ready when you're ready like give me a fucking break you know what i mean like there was not every day was like that but the story makes it seem like he's just irradiating sunshine i'm like he's a human being he's a father like there's no way his only lapse of anger was once leaving you three miles from your house at a grocery store and yeah. two ready to kill someone over you know protecting his daughter and like getting beat up himself i'm like yeah and they they, out. <laughs> they sort of scratch the surface when the wife talks about his other family and stuff i feel like that could have that could have been a little more uh utilized or better utilized between like the friction between him and his wife but again even after an argument like that and casually mentioning his other family it just gets brushed aside and it's just oh you know end of the day happy go lucky like all worked out in the end and it's really weird how this movie kind of pushes aside just uh the actual interesting parts about their relationship with their father uh and instead it just gives you kind of a kind of a hokey story about fatherly love that was that's a little a little weird you know like right not, not well, too like, weird he's still the hero not too weird but it's, it's a sports movie and it is cool in a way to like see how they came up and like they literally pioneered so much in terms of one progressing like women's sports and two, progressing, obviously, you know, minority participation in predominantly white sports. Like, it cannot be championed enough how, like, awesome and revolutionary this family was, including the dad. But I just go, like, yeah, it's cool, but also... Why is it his story? Yeah, like... <laughs> I was very confused. Like, like, Venus and Serena literally have zero personality in this. No, oh, like, yeah. Outside of, yeah. Outside of being really close siblings, like, who seem like they could be mistaken for twins. Robots. Yeah, they just, like, literally were tennis-playing robots. <laughs> like, yeah, like they were, didn't see, like, little children. And, again, maybe that was part of the implication. But, like, I would be more surprised hmm. that hmm. if the movie focused on them, that they still weren't robots, because what kind of personality can you have if all you do is play tennis at your entire identity and then just hang out with your sister at the house? Like, but like right, your dad's surely they friend. had right surely they had like some school friends or had problems about not having school friends and certainly they either were so successful in their classes and were so smart or had struggles in their classes and just grinded really hard but like none of it was about the children it was all about the dad yep 
but even parts about dad didn't feel like we were getting more information. It just, or more depth of information. It just felt like we were getting more breadth of information. Like new stuff just kept happening, but we never investigated it beyond the surface. So I don't know. It was a good movie because the story's nice, but you know, I'm, was, I'm on it... the fence about saying it's a good movie just because if you've seen a biopic, You've seen this movie. Yeah, but I think I think clear. you I think you also really don't like biopics. So because I how much they're that's the actually... same movie. <laughs> so I'm just saying I think you're waiting for a rare biopic yeah. to be considered good. Yeah. And I'm telling you these are good movies. You just don't like them because they're biopics. It doesn't mean they're great. Like this is an exceptional movie. I'd recommend everyone go see right now. But I'm like, yeah, if you either like Serena Williams or can tolerate a biopic. Like, this movie's going to be enjoyable. It's not great, you know what I mean? It doesn't revolutionize anything, but biopics aren't meant to. It's just supposed to be like a little slice of life thing. I just wish it was more real, more raw, you know? Uh, I think it was, uh, uh, what was it, the uh, Bohemian Rhapsody movie? Uh, The Mm -hmm. remaining members of Queen wouldn't let the original version go into production because it was too raw and, like, too real. So then we got the watered down one with Rami Malek instead. And I don't know. I think, I think that shows in this movie almost is that there's the, he didn't come off as a bad guy in any sense. Honestly, I, I don't think of a time other than him being like a little hard headed. Uh, it, it didn't seem like he was, it seemed like he was a good guy and like humans aren't just, good guy <laughs> you know it's right. just it's not how we work it's just it's not how we work and maybe that's why i'm disappointed is that there's always room for biopics to be like hey there's some gray area but you should still oh. kind of admire the story and instead they just say hey admire the story now here's a thing again it's going to be controversial because i really don't know what i'm talking about yeah. but i love it well and it's, it's a thing with biopics because you have to infer that you know something about these people's lives when you know only what was seen on screen and what you've read about them. And to a certain extent, that's going to be true and it's going to be false. But, um, so like, you remember the older sister, um, who, you know, was like valedictorian and all that. Yeah. And she was going to stay in competence and to go to Florida with them. Right. So I looked it up and in like 2004, she was like shot and killed in Compton. Um, she was still living there, but she like, Never ended up going to school, I don't think. She just, like, met a guy. Or, no, maybe she did go to school. She became a nurse. But then she, like, basically, like, stayed, like, in a kind of sketchy situation with sketchy people and was, like, basically died, like, inside a trap house, like, at a shooting in a trap house. Um, And so I go, they basically cut her out in the movie at a point where it seems like what's the best picture that we could paint to the public eye of our sister because we love her. Right. Yeah. But like we miss so much of like what would have obviously been like family drama because here's two of like the world's richest celebrities mm-hmm. and you have a sister who's like in Compton, like not in a great living situation, obviously if she's in a fucking trap house. So you know what I mean? So it's just like you know, how how much of Richard is going to be kind of, like, whitewashed like that if, you know, a sister is that, done that way. You yeah. know, and the movie's not about yeah. the sister, but I'm just, like, I feel like there's a lot of liberties taken to make sure that everyone looks in their best light, which seems bizarre for what is supposed to be 
a story of your life. You, of course, maybe you remember your story of your life a little bit more positively, but I'm like, yeah, it just it does that whole Disney-fied thing of like, look at our perfect little family. And I yeah, go like, which I hate. I hate. I, I hate that. It's just it's not fun for uh, uh, moviegoers. I don't think. Uh, may, maybe it is for just people who want a feel-good biopic every day of their life. Uh, but it just it just comes off as unoriginal is all like this movie is going to fade into like out of existence from my brain because it's just going to go under the biopic category. And I just I, I won't think about this movie. You know, come next month, I'll be like, oh, yeah, now, Will Smith. See, oh, yeah, I, he had I dyed might, eyebrows. Oh, yeah, I, I might remember this movie, but it's only for one thing. What was your favorite scene in this movie? Uh, John Bernthal. John Bernthal is, yeah, uh, John Bernthal is the single greatest part of this movie, hands down, no cap, not even gonna argue with you, I'm gonna die on the hill. Alright, well, um, my favorite scene was when they went to that country club, and they were talking about, you know, whether Venus should go pro or not, and she's already 63 and on the juniors tournament, et cetera, et cetera, um, and he just lets out that big fart. I'm just a sucker for potty humor, and that really just got me. I was cracking up. Flatulence um, is always classic, okay? It will yeah, never die. Yeah. They both start with an F for a reason. Flatulence is funny. Oh, shit. I didn't even put two <laughs> and two together. What have I been doing? Yeah, I don't know. The math is overwhelming, though. Um, so, yeah. So, basically, I feel like your major flaws with the movie which i've already argued to you before technical difficulties uh is that <laughs> um you know a biopic isn't necessarily the same caliber or is easily reviewed in the same way like a documentary would be it's just there's too many real life variables not in the same way but in a similar way because there's too many real life variables that you want to be able to control that too many people making the movie are biased about. But at the end of the day, this wasn't a bad biopic. This didn't have any kind of egregious flaws. It just had all the elements of a normal, mundane, happy slice of life biopic that we don't like. But that doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it's not to our sensibilities. So more objective review would be like, you know, six five, and a more subjective view would be like four. <laughs> now we don't like so. biopics. These parts and these yeah. parts, okay? <laughs> Ain't no room for classic biopics. We don't. Uh, we don't. Yeah. Uh, so my scores, I had four to six because I assumed I would just not, or my score would be weighted because of the biopicness. So I'm giving it a six. Yeah. And I think six, five is pretty fair. Um, again, teetering the passing grade, but not quite there. Would only really recommend it if you really like the Williams sisters or really like tennis or really like biopics. Those are kind of the big three. Um, Big sucker otherwise, for Will Smith. Yeah. Oh yeah, Will Smith even. Um otherwise it's not necessarily worth the watch because you kind of know it. You can know this entire story without having ever seen anything about them, which says a lot to biopics, but not necessarily to this movie, because this movie's fun like it's a fine ride. I wasn't disappointed by the end of it. I was just like, oh. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> it is <laughs> a movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so if you want like a two hour movie to watch, that's not going to just bum you out or disappoint you. Like it's a fine movie to watch. Yeah. I would put it right there with uh, the founder by, uh, or not by, but uh, the Michael Keaton McDonald's one. 
They're just uh-huh. it's gonna go right beside it in my brain. Just <laughs> they're the same movie, but not at all. You just you kinda know. Uh yeah, so six five for King Richard from the worst critics. Uh that has been episode fifty-six, and we will see you next week on episode fifty-seven, where we will be reviewing the A twenty-four Showtime co-production The Humans and Fetty Wap's Butterfly Effect. As always, I'm Noah Davis. I'm Don Pino. And we're out of here.